0: Welcome to episode 109, which is a Girl Take the Lead soundbite, which is a short episode which may be a bit more about a topic we've covered like our episode today or a quick inspiration. And I'm your host, Yo Canny. Today's episode builds on our previous episode about the Arthur Brooks and Oprah Winfrey book, Build the Life You Want The Art and Science of Getting Happier. The authors brought a ton of information about emotions that we didn't have time to cover. So today's episode will go deeper into what they had to say about that. So let's start with how they broke out emotions as primary and complex. Primary negative emotions were sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. And primary positive emotions were joy and interest. Complex negative emotions included shame, guilt, and contempt. And positive ones were not mentioned. So I did a little research on this. I did a little research on this and the identification and categorization of primary and complex emotions is a topic that has been studied by various psychologists and researchers over the years. One of the most well-known and influential theories in this area is from Paul Eichmann, Theory of Basic Emotions. Eichmann identified six primary or basic emotions that are the same as what are listed in this book. In case you'd like to study this more, I have a copy of the study that Eichmann did in 1997 when he was at UCSF in the show notes. I kind of went down this rabbit hole because you may remember from Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart that she identified 87 emotions. And I wish that Brooks and Oprah recognized Brene's research of over 7,000 people over five years. But let's keep going. Brooks and Winfrey offer us the idea that we can be more constructive with our emotions, leading us to act the way we want, not the way we feel. Hmm. Cool, right? Oh, yeah. They went on to say that emotional substitution is a skill that takes practice, not just an insight that changes everything at once. And it can become automatic. They say the single best way to grasp the reality of good things in life is to occupy some of the negative emotion receptors with a different positive feeling. The most effective of these positive feelings is gratitude, which is a life practice. And even if we feel like we have little to be grateful for right now, we can engage in it. And no surprise to hear this, but the best way to practice gratitude is to include it in our journaling. Okay. I get that one, but hold on. Another technique they say is to contemplate our death. Researchers found in 2011 that when people vividly imagined their demise, their sense of gratitude increased by 11% on average. Hmm. I know when I think about my death, gotta say I get a little sad. (laughs) I'm going to miss the people I love so very much. But I can see how it makes me more grateful when they're around. Yeah. And enjoy their company. The following are some other key points they made to shift our emotions. One find a reason to laugh. Yes, people report feeling happier after receiving humor therapy, which were like daily jokes, laughter exercises, funny stories. You might want to check out our episode too about leadership being funny with Karen Buxman and Andrea Canny. Here were their takeaways from the episode.
1: I just love that you picked this subject, Yoli, because It's, it's one of those things that people forget about when they're thinking about business, they think everything has to be serious. And I'm like, well, you know what, there's a finite amount of minutes that we're on this planet. Why don't we at least have fun for a lot of it? So whether we're working or not, and I know I'm more likely to want to get out of bed. If I know I'm going to go be on a set or at a theater or a job at a desk with people that I can laugh at things with. And, and I think there's the perspective of just look at the world wishing to find humor, because if you can't laugh at yourself, man, life is miserable. So we might as well have it in our workplace as well as our home life. And, and I think you're, you know, I agree a hundred percent that physically it affects you.
0: How about you, Karen? What what is your takeaway?
2: You know, I think that that what I've really come to appreciate, uh, especially given the, the chaos that's been in place over the last couple of years is that we're at a point in history where it's my opinion that humor is no longer just a nicety. I think it's a necessity and that I think it's wonderful when we experience humor that happens just by a happy accident but I think there's way too many benefits for for women for leaders for for those whom we're leading for everyone to let humor happen by chance I think it's up to us to make sure that it happens by choice mm. and that's my mission in life to help people do that so you know if any of the listeners here, want to learn more about this, you know, by all means, I know in the the show notes and things, there's going to be information on how to to get hold of me. Um, I also have a page of just where I put resources for myself in terms of some funny videos and assessments in terms of, you know, where am I right now in terms of my mental health and things like that. And that's at stressrecoverytoolkit.com. And that's just a free resource for anybody that uh, is looking for that. But, but if you come away with nothing else from this time that we've had together, and I just appreciate you guys so much, you know, again, back by popular demand, my favorite phrase, we'll do this again sometime, but um, (laughs) to, to practice humor by choice, not by chance is I think a great thing to take away.
0: Two, choose hope instead of pessimism. Optimism is good too, but hope is much more powerful. They define hope as having the will and finding the way. Three, turn empathy into compassion. Brene Brown made the distinction between empathy and sympathy, as does the book. Empathy is not feeling sorry for someone in pain. That's sympathy. It's the difference between... I get well soon, and I can't imagine how much discomfort you must be feeling. Evidence suggests that empathy can really lessen other people's burdens. Okay, but here's the good stuff. One comprehensive study on compassion defines it as recognizing suffering, understanding it, and feeling empathy for the sufferer, but also tolerating the uncomfortable feeling they and the suffering person are experiencing and activating to alleviate the suffering. So compassion helps both the sufferer and the helper. Whoa! And it's about being comfortable with somebody else's discomfort compassionate people are like Marines after training, just as likely to feel pain as anyone else, but able to bear it and function. Four, focus less on yourself. Ask yourself this, do you get happier when you focus on your own desires or when you focus on doing something for others instead? I know for me, nothing makes me happier than to help someone I care about. Hey, it's something simple like dropping off a meal to a family I know so that they don't have to worry about what to make for dinner when they've got tons of things on their plate. The author would say that this is more of an outward focus on life and is one of the best ways to increase our own well-being. And the book offers three habits to help us spend less time focusing on ourselves. One, avoid your own <laughs> reflection. <laughs> so, what's that? I was noticing this yesterday. Mirrors are not our friends, and they encourage even the healthiest people to objectify themselves. And those of us with self image related maladies, they can be sheer misery. <laughs> Definitely so. I found myself last night just like avoiding my mirror. <laughs> Two, stop judging things around you so much. Judging might seem like pure observation, but it's not. It's turning an observation of the world inward and making it about you. Mm. And three, Spend time marveling at the world around you and spend more time doing things that amaze you. Hmm. All of those would help us focus less on ourselves. But another thing they say is that we need to stop caring about what others think about us. And they make the point for virtually all of human history, human survival depended on membership in close-knit clans and tribes. Unfortunately, that instinct of wanting the approval of others for our survival is woefully maladapted to modern life. Where once we would have justifiably felt the terror of being expelled into the forest alone, today we might suffer acute anxiety from strangers online that will cancel us for an ill-considered remark, or a passerby who will snap a picture of us as poor fashion choice <laughs> and mock us on Instagram. The authors remind us that the goal here is to focus on others, but not on their opinion of us. And one way to do this is to remember that no one cares. The irony is that feeling bad about ourselves because of what someone might think of us is far less than we think. And the sixth and last thing they say is don't water the envy weed. It's terrible for us. And one remedy is to focus on the ordinary parts of that person we envy. The main way we water the envy weed is with our attention. These six steps are path They have outlined for us for emotional self-management, which makes us much happier as a person, freeing us from being managed by our own feelings. At the end of the section, Oprah offers us a lesson she learned the hard way. After the movie she worked on for 10 years to bring to life, the movie was Beloved, which bombed at the box office. At the time, she said she thought the experience would crush her. But it ultimately freed her, she said. She says that today, everything she does, anything she makes, any suggestion she floats or advice she gives, it's all about the offering. If it works, it works. If it's accepted, it's accepted. If not, I've lost nothing, she says, because I have no attachment to a particular result. This, she says, has made her a much, much happier life, and she wishes the same for us. And on that note, we'll end today's episode. Thank you for being here. Please join us at our Girl Take the Lead Facebook group. Visit our GirlTakeTheLeadPod.com website, or check out our new Girl Take the Lead YouTube soundbite videos. On Tuesday, I will be discussing another hot book, which we're all hearing about, The Power of Regret by Daniel H. Pink. He's another powerhouse that has a ton of things to say about regrets. (laughs) He's identified four categories of human regret. What are they, you ask? You'll need to join us again and give the episode a listen. Talk to you soon. Bye.